0: Chapter 20 of the Shakespeare Dealer. So here I go. Immediately after breakfast next morning, Mr. Armin gathered his apprentices in the yard of the inn for a squirming season. And though the instruction was mainly for Saul benefit, Mr. Armin did not say so and did not spare Sam and me the slightest. While we, he worked with Sao on delivering the paring edge bowls, blows, Sam and I practiced thrusting, a learn knitting rapidly between the Imbrocata, which is delivered above the opponent's blade, and the Sokata, delivered beneath the opponent's blade. and. Peers were blunted they were capable of inflicting a nasty bruise so for protection we strapped on a light bo- boiled leather breastplates that passed for metal armor on the stage why do you smile infidel said Sam when you are about to die I was just recalling the time Nick struck me with his Sword, and we all thought had gone in. All except Sandra. There I was, swooning and breathing. What I thought were my last breaths, and Sandra takes one look and says, You sot! He struck your blood back! I didn't feel half in any. Sam grinned and shook his head. I wish Sandra would be here now, he said. I merely nodded. As we were hoistily engaged in mock battle, I heard a voice from the second floor gallery say, It's fortunate that you're playing the chantfolk and not to a company of in- infantrymen. I glanced up to see Jamie Redsaw leaning on the railing, watching our pra- practice. Mr. Armin and Salpaldi Left, stop swiping at one another. Oh," said Mr. Armand coolly. "Why is that?" Jamie Ritzel laughed a bit uncomfortably, <coughs> like someone who has been put on the spot. Well, because they hooted you off the stage. He descended the gallery stairs and uh, <coughs> and fought. In Ernest knows it's nothing like you're, that you're doing. He seems to realize how concerning this sounded, for he added, I don't mean to be critical. Of course, you can't be expected to recreate the feel of real battle upon the stage. No, no, replied Mr. Ernest, <coughs> in a tone that might have sounded cordial to someone who did not know him well. You, we want to be convincing as possible. Perhaps you'll give us a few pointers, Jimmy us shirt, <laughs> if you like. So give your shirt to Mister Redshaw, will you? So Palvy up, obliged and backed well out of the way. Now said Mister. Raising his blade and eyebrows, what is it we should be doing exactly? I had the distinct feeling that Mr. Armin was not so much interested in what Jamie Ridsdale might teach us as a teaching of a lesson his own—something to to do not do with not putting in one seven eggs where they are not wanted. I only hoped we would not drive the point home so ha- too hard. Jamie Redsaw seemed to suspect nothing amiss. He came on guard in an unusual sidewise fencing posture, but with his body facing Mr. Arm and almost straight on. First of all, he said confidently, a fighting man does not waste much time in trading looks. That serves only to tire you out, but the object is to put an opponent out of the way with as little ado as possible. Before he had finished beating the last word, his blade darted forward a striking, like striking a snake. To my astonishment, Mr. Armin's weapon flew from his grasp and clattered into the cobbles. Though Mr. Armin was surely as stunned as I, he managed not to show it, his eyes narrowed a little, and he flexed his hand and f- a few times as though it pained him. It took me <coughs> it took me a moment to realize what had happened. Jimmy Ruoff instead of engaging his opponent in the usual game of thrust and parry, he had disregarded the rules a- and aimed. Is going directly and Mr. Armin's sword hand. the The secret, you see," said Jamie Redza, "is to do the unexpected." No. Ah," said Mr. Armin, his voice carefully controlled. "Thank you for that insight. Next time, I'll know not to expect what I expect." Good day, N- Miss Jamie Redza. Returned the sword to Salpavi and slight. When left the yard. Mr. Armand turned to us. Remember that, gentlemen. If you wish to kill your opponent, do the unexpected. If you wish him to live <coughs> until the next performance, stick to the script. Now, I imagine you're expecting me to assign you 50 basatas. He paused. Well, I'm afraid I'm just hopelessly predictable. Proceed. As we lined up against the stable wall and began thrusting, Sam said, "Your dad made Mr. Armin look a bit fool, didn't he?" I made no reply. I could not make up my mind whether to be proud of Jimmy's <coughs> actions or ashamed. Mr. Armin had finally finished his play. Fool upon fool. And our uh, first performance of it did a brisk business. So did our presentation of King John. So our presentation of King John in the afternoon. When Jamie Ritz brought the <coughs> box to the chairs, this sh- his shoulders were sagging under the weight company's treasury trunk had grown so weighty that it took two men to carry it on the town hall and back. We could not, of course, risk it leaving untamed in our rooms, nor could we spare a man to stay behind and guard. I, I was glad it had a close It was close at hand, for it contained not only my future wages, but, more important, my mother's crucifix. At supper that evening, to celebrate our good fortune, the sharers broke a vial of brandy from the small stock we carried with us, and poured some for everyone, everyone that is, save Ned Shakespeare and Jimmy Redsaw, who were again conspiracies absent. I checked the com- common sleeping room, but without any real hope they would be there. They were not. As I started for the stairs, Tim K. pounded up them and dragged me back into the sleeping room. What's the matter? I demanded. I just overheard Sapelle pa- Pavy telling Mr. Armin he saw your father flinching money from the box. He says he arrived late for this afternoon's performance after entrance doors were opened and he noticed your dad dropping pennies in his purse instead of the ga- in the gathering box. The devil take him, I cried. As lying. Why would I lie? Sam shrugged. To take trouble for you? Trouble for me? But why? I've not to win. I have done not to him. You play the parts he'd like to play, said Sam. I was speechless with surprise for a moment. Then an alarming thought struck me. Will they conform your father with this, do you think? No doubt. There was no doubt either for about where they'd find them and what he'd be along doing. <clears throat> oh, yes. I grasped Sam's arm. You're a good friend to tell me this. Can you do one more thing? Uh, can you help them here a minute or two longer? I can try. Sam dashed back downstairs. I excited the room, exited the room by the gallery door, scrambled down the outer stairs, and ran to the way of the Golden line. On a burst of seven door, Jamie Reds on at the same table before, this neck, time with four other men. As I strode up to them, one of the men rose, scooped up his small stock of money, and made a quick departure. Thanks to the haze of tobacco smoke, which made the interior of the tavern even dimmer, I did not get much of the look of the man, but his portly build of the eyepatch, he wore were formal. Why are you dropping out so suddenly? called one of the card players. But the one-eyed fellow did not bother to reply, or even look back. I stopped at Jamie Rexell's side, and bent in to whisper in his ear, I think the Sharers may be on their way here. Yes, he said, without looking up from his cards. I don't want them to find your gambling, I said urgently. Why not? There's a company rule against it. Ah, he stood And gathered up his sizable pile of coins that lay before him. Gentlemen, I must ask you to excuse me as well. Ned, I think you also want to depart. What? protested one of their playing companions. You've got to give us a chance to win some of our money back. Another time, gentlemen, another time. Let's go the way, he said to me. With Ned Shakespeare along, I did not. I did not feel I should <coughs> should bring bring up the matter to solve Elvie's accusation. Instead, I said, "Who was that white with the eye patch?" He didn't mention his name," said Jamie. "Replied Jamie Ritzel. Why? I believe as with Lord Pembroke's men, I saw him in their company back in New York. Did you? Perhaps they're spying on us." If if so, said Ned, uh, he learned a little. And it cost him dearly. How much did you win from him and the others? Jamie Ritz a cupped his purse in the hand, as though weighing it. A fair amount. How much did you lose? A fair amount, said Ned sorely. He glanced over at me. You say nothing about the others about about what we were up to? I shook my head. Nay. That is it that is, I added and promise to go and sin no more. Jimmy Ritzel laughed. The boy drives a hard bargain. What do you say, Ned? Shall we force wear gambling? If we must, Ned said grudgingly, I don't think I don't care for all these pretty rules of the companies. This it's like being back in the these uh, it's like being back in Stratford with but with our four parents riding me rather than just two, when we reached the inn, Ned went inside, but I held Jamie Rza back. i I don't mean to pry, but you told me last night you've been cleaned out, and I was then what I mean where where did you uh, I get the money to wager to Ned? I. He raised his walking stick. For a moment, I feared he meant to strike me with it for my impudence, and from the old habit, I dug my head. But he only tossed it slightly into the air and caught it again. I wagered this, in truth. I me far more use it than gambling stake, and then as a sword. I laughed more with a relief than amusement. I was right, then. I was lying. Who? Saul Ah, I'm accused of taking money from the box. The little weasel. He needs a, a sound of thrashing. Nay, nee, nay. Nee. Let it pass, please. Let it pass. He's insulting my honor. Aye, but it's not worth stirring up trouble in the company over it. Not worth it? Jamie Ritsa shook his head. If you think that you have a good deal to learn about importance of honor, no doubt, but I can a lot already about the about the importance of keeping peace with the company. When you need to teach it to your friend Master Pavy as no friend of mine, but I wish him to be, uh, but I don't wish him to be an enemy either. There is no middle ground. You can't count a man your friend. What Then you must count him your enemy. I stared at him, trying to read his face in the dark. You truly believe that? I've had to, he said, in order to survive. In battle, you mean? But this is not an ordinary life, surely. He let the walking stick drop to his side and its metal tip clanged in the cobbles. All the life is battle. When we entered the main room of the inn, Mr. Armand still sat at our table with a point of ale in his hands. He glanced up at me. Mr. Shakespeare's waiting for you, he said. Mr. Ritza, I'd like to have a word for you. As I headed a def- uh. Before the stairs, I caught Jamie as eye and gave him a pleading glance that that said, "Please don't make trouble for me." So that was chapter twenty. Bye, guys. See you later. See you later. See you later. See ya. See you later. Bye, Bye. guys.